Welcome to the John Campia Podcast, recorded Saturday, June the 24th, 2017. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the John Campia Podcast on uh, on this beautiful weekend, at least here in Burbank, California. I gotta say, it's a beautiful day outside. We've had some uh, some weather here lately, but I'm so glad to be back. Hey, listen, guys, first of all, I want to say thank you. You know, when I restarted back up the podcast this week, I didn't know what the response would be because, you know, I hadn't done an episode in nine months. I had been insanely busy the last nine months, of my life, the last year of my life has been insanely nuts. You know, th- in just three episodes, three episodes, I think, in just three episodes, you guys made the John Campia podcast crack the top 10 in the iTunes podcast charts. I want to thank you so much for that. And hey, listen. Do me a favor, if even if you're just listening to this podcast on YouTube, because I know a lot of people listen to this podcast and the show on YouTube, if you could do me a favor, this would be great. Even if you don't normally use it, open up your favorite podcasting uh, listening app and just find and subscribe to the John Campia podcast. It helps out the podcast a great deal, and that would be wonderful if you could do that. Okay, so with that out of the way, today's show is going to be all the questions you guys send in. Now, I'm going to make a little bit of an announcement here. I kind of mentioned this the other day, but I'm going to be starting. This is going to be the new pattern here on my YouTube channel is uh, and my programming is going to be this. I'm going to be doing an episode. At least this is the plan to start. I'm going to test this out for a couple of weeks and see how I like it and see how you guys like it. But what I'm going to do is the John Campia podcast will be every morning. And the John Campia podcast will basically just be all interaction with you guys. So that's basically going to be the questions and topics that you guys send in. So I'm going to do that every morning because, and I'm hoping that a lot of the questions you guys will send in will be about the previous day's news so we can get more in depth into the previous day's news. And then later in every day, Monday through Friday, I'm going to be launching my new show called The Movie Vlog, V-L-O-G, not B-L-O-G as my old website was, but The Movie Vlog, which is going to be like a probably a 10 to 15 minute show that basically looks at all of that day's movie news, breaking it down, and then getting into specifics to give you guys some more more information, more detail about the specific stories. I'm really excited about it. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time. One of the reasons I wanted to do this for a long time is because You know, back when I was with Collider and doing Collider Movie Talk, because of how many people were involved in all that kind of stuff, we were doing movie news shows in the morning, but we were doing movie news shows about the previous day's movies or movie news. So like we would do a show on Wednesday and for the most part, the Wednesday show was about all the news that came out on Tuesday. And I'm going to do the movie blog uh, in the late afternoon so that my movie vlog that's on Tuesday is actually about Tuesday's news. And I've been excited about trying that for a while. It just, it just wasn't possible over at Collider because of the number of moving pieces and moving parts and the number of people that need to be involved. But hey, it's just me now. So I've got no excuse. So Monday through Friday, starting this Monday, will be the John Campion podcast in the mornings and the movie vlog later in the afternoons and the early evenings, peppered in there with other movie reviews and TV reviews and things like that. So I'm going full throttle on uh, my YouTube channel for a while, and, and I hope you guys come along for the ride. And thank you for joining me on this Saturday for this episode of the John Campion Podcast. Okay, so with that out of the way, let's dive into it. How do you get a question to me? There's two ways you can get a question for the John Campion Podcast. That is this. Either number one, email me at thejohncampiapodcast at gmail.com. I know that's a long email address, but it's 
the John Campia podcast at gmail.com. You can send in a question there or make sure you're following me on Facebook or Twitter because I'll put out calls on Facebook and Twitter asking for questions. And then you can just leave a question in my Facebook comment or you can tweet me a question and I take questions from there as well. And if I'm going to do this every day, I'm going to need a lot of questions and topics and points of view from you guys. So please make this your show as well. All right. Now let's get down to with the first question of the day. And the first question today comes to us from Michael Kay, who writes, aside from just getting rid of Michael Bay, what would it take for the Transformers movies to improve creatively? Well, I mean, nothing different than the way you'd try to create anything good in movies. Start with a good story. I mean, really, that's it. Something happened. I don't know what it was between Transformers 1 and Transformers 2. Transformers 1, I thought, had a decent story. Now, yes, a lot of people wanted more Transformers and less humans, and really the first Transformers was more a Shia LaBeouf movie than than an Optimus Prime movie, and sure, all those criticisms are totally valid. But for whatever reason, the first Transformers movie really worked for me. As a fan, the movie just clicked, and it started with a decent story. But once we move beyond the first one, it's almost like Michael Bay, who I thought did a very good job on the first one, And I'm not a Michael Bay hater. I have hated what he has done with Transformers 2, 3, 4, and 5. But I'm not a Michael Bay hater. I like Armageddon. I like The Rock. I like Pain and Gain. I like 13 Hours. I think when he puts his mind to it and wants to be, he can be a a pretty darn good director. I'm not going to say one of the greats, absolutely not. But when he's on his game, I think Michael Bay can be a pretty good director. I think Transformers 1 is one of those films. But... It feels like after the first Transformers, some brain trust somewhere, including Michael Bay, went, you know what? All the audience really seems to care about is big explosions, so let's just focus on that. What you end up with, and this is a term I've been using a lot about the Transformers movies, is what you end up with is visual noise. Action without dramatic purpose. Action that doesn't serve the story is just visual noise. And I've been drawing this comparison the last few months, and I think it's an, I think it's an appropriate one. If you draw the comparison to the Fast and the Furious franchise, because quite often people say, how can people like Fast and the Furious and not like Transformers? It's all just popcorn action. Uh, but here's the key difference, at least to me, is that in the Fast and the Furious franchise, and I am by no means the biggest Fast and the Furious franchise film, a uh, fan in the world. Like, not in the least. I've really appreciated the last couple of ones. But, you know, I hated one through three. But here's the one thing the Fast and Furious that separates it from, say, Transformers. Fast and the Furious, the franchise, for good or for bad, they spend a lot of time getting you attached to the characters and making you as an audience member get invested and get to know and get attached to the characters. Whereas in the Transformers movies, nobody gives a flying rip about any of the characters other than maybe Optimus Prime, especially the human characters. Nobody gives two squats of piss about the human characters and the Transformers. We don't care. I can't even tell you the name of any of the characters in Transformers 2, 3, 4, or 5. I can remember Cade, and that's about it. What Fast and the Furious as a franchise has done is they got, they spend a lot of time getting you invested. And sometimes they do it very cheesy, but they get you invested in the character. So when the characters get involved in their big, ridiculous popcorn explosion action sequences, it has dramatic function because you care about the characters involved. In the Transformers films, at least since the first one, to me at any rate, and I'm only speaking for myself, 
you get these big action set pieces with robots that sometimes I don't even know who's on which side. I certainly don't care about these characters. I'm oftentimes, and I think the audience is true, often the movie doesn't even give you a really set out, why are these action sequences happening right now? What's the purpose of this? How does this make sense? And they just put together some granted gorgeous looking visual effects, massive set pieces, but that don't serve dramatic purpose and thus don't serve the story. So when you're asking the question, aside from getting rid of Michael Bay, and I don't necessarily think Michael Bay is the problem, but he's certainly become a part of it. Um, uh, uh, what do you do to improve it? Just start with a good story. Just sit down, find a good story somewhere. I'm even okay with skinning. And by skinning, skinning uh, comes as an old video game term where you take a, a character like your favorite. I used to play this first-person shooter called Unreal Tournament. It's probably still my all-time favorite first-person shooter, but at any rate. But it had the ability where you could take it and skin your character. So you could put like a, you can make your character look like Homer Simpson, or you can make your character look like Deadpool, whatever. You could skin it. What Hollywood has done with several big blockbusters in the past is they have skinned their movies. And what that means is some producer finds a great script that may not have anything to do with, say, oh, I don't know. I'm just going to make something up here. Jubal, the telepathic bear. Okay, here we go. So this producer wants to make a movie about this this amazing heroic character, Jubal, the telepathic bear. He's a He used to be a gummy bear that was transformed into a living sentient being as a result of a toxic waste being spilled on him. And now he is, instead of gummy, he is Jubal, the telepathic bear. Okay, so this producer wants to make the Jubal movie, but he doesn't really know where to start with the script. But he realizes on his desk, I've, he's got a pile of scripts that writers have sent him. And he finds this one script, that's an action script, that has nothing to do with Jubal, the telepathic bear. But he reads the script and says, like, this is pretty good. Let's skin this and make it a Jubal the Telepathic Bear movie. So he'll take it, hire another writer to take that script and just rework that script with the core story intact, but to make it a Jubal the Telepathic Bear story. It's called skinning. I wouldn't even be, it's not that necessarily the best thing to do, but I wouldn't be against that for any filmmakers that want to take the next step and try to make another Transformers movie in the future. I mean, really, they should just scrap the whole thing. They should scrap it and reboot. I mean, it worked for the Hulk. It worked for Spider-Man. Just scrap it and reboot. And when you do, just find a good script, take the core elements of that story, then make those story elements the heart of your Transformers movie, and then build a Transformers movie on top of it. It's Again, I'm not saying that's the best thing to do, but they've clearly seemed to have lost their way with the Transformers franchise. So because of that, I'm up for them trying just about anything to get this uh, thing back on the right course. All right. The next question comes to us from Dominic Holloway, who writes... Having seen Baby Driver and knowing that Edgar Wright was in talks to do Ant-Man for the longest time, what's a film franchise you'd love to see him tackle if he had creative control? Everybody knows I'm a huge fan of uh, Edgar Wright. I've had the privilege and opportunity to get together with him on a number of times. I've been on panels with them. I've hosted Q&As with them. And I'm just a big, massive fan where they're talking about Shaun of the Dead, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, World's End, Hot Fuzz. I mean, I'm just a big fan of what he's done. And my review for Baby Driver is on my YouTube channel right now. So if you want to go find that, it's at obviously youtube.com slash John Campia. And you'll find my Baby Driver review there. I love the movie. Yeah, I t- It's my second favorite movie of the year. Behind Logan. It's my second favorite movie of the year. Although I'm not giving my review on Planet of the Apes, uh, War of the Planet of the Apes, War for the Planet of the Apes until Monday, because that's when the review embargo lifts for, uh, for War for the Planet of the Apes. I liked it more than War for the Planet of the Apes. But at any rate, I thought Baby Driver was fantastic. So you're asking the question, 
What franchise would I like to see him take over? Honestly, none. Not because I don't believe in him, but I don't believe his talents. I believe his talents and his skills are wasted in a franchise. I think his skills and talents would be wasted in a franchise. Every film of his is so staggeringly unique that I love just seeing him put out one-shot stories. Now, I don't know what Edgar Wright's going to do. Maybe he's about to jump back on board. I know he maintained a good relationship with Marvel. So maybe he jumps back on board with Marvel after the Ant-Man thing kind of fell apart. And that that situation was nobody's fault. That was just circumstances and time that got in the way. But he, I know he's maintained a good relationship with Marvel. Maybe at some point he jumps back on board with Marvel. Maybe he shows up in the Universal Monsters universe. Maybe Edgar Wright shows up in the DC Cinematic Universe. Maybe he shows up in a Mission Impossible world. I don't know. But if you're asking me, you know, what French I would like to see him take over, the answer is none. I really like the individual films that he puts out. And I really would love to see him just continue to do that. It's worked real well for Quentin Tarantino. Other than Batman, it's worked real well for Christopher Nolan. And I just think Edgar Wright is such a unique voice in this industry that I just love seeing each film of him, of his being that unique snowflake and fingerprint. I just, I just love seeing his films and I like to see him doing his own individual standalone movies, but who knows what'll happen. Let's keep our eyes on it. All right. The next question comes to us from Pedro Fernandez, who writes, will they release a new trailer for The Last Jedi, Star Wars The Last Jedi, at D23 or San Diego Comic-Con? Whew. That's a good question. I know me and Christian Harloff have discussed this an awful lot. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Now, do will they release it at D23 or San Diego Comic-Con? I don't know. There's three possibilities. Oh, there's four possibilities here. Possibility number one, they don't release a new trailer at either of them. I think that's possible. I think that's possible. Option number two, they release one at D23. Option number three, they release one at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Option number four, they release one at D23 and then show it again at San Diego Comic-Con. There's a possibility that they show it at D23, don't release it, and then show it at Comic-Con and then release it online. They Look, one of the things I was really impressed about D23, which is the Disney-only kind of convention that Disney puts on, is that there were no leaks that came out of D23. I mean, nothing. They were so good at policing people who went into the auditorium no pictures, no cameras came out, all that kind of stuff. And they really kept a tight lid on it. So if Disney really wanted to, I think there's a possibility that they could show it to the attendees at D23 and then wait a week or two until Comic-Con because Comic-Con and D23 are only separated by like a number of days. So wait for a week or two until Comic-Con and then show it at Comic-Con. And then after they show it at Comic-Con, put it online for everybody to see. So those are the four options. They don't show it at all. They show it at one, they show it at the other, or they show it at both. The one One thing that makes me go, it's possible they may not show it at all, is that Star Wars Celebration in Orlando was just in April. They just released the first trailer in April. So you're talking about releasing another full trailer just three months later when the movie itself is still five or six months away. So that's the one thing that makes me think that it's possible they may not release another trailer at either D23 or San Diego Comic-Con. But if I had to put five bucks on it, I'd say it would be either one, the other, or or at both. I'm just not sure one. Uh, I'm just not sure which one. All right, let's move on to the next question. The next question comes to us from Justin Pinsker, who writes, 
will this Transformers film actually be Michael Bay's last? Yeah, I think this is going to be Michael Bay's last film. Uh, last Transformers film, that is. I think he loves rolling in money, but he's got enough of it now. And I think we're going to see that this Transformers movie is probably going to make less than the last Transformers movie, maybe even less than the Transformers movie before that. Michael Bay is a smart dude. He'll read the tea leaves. He knows that the trajectory for people's interest in his Transformers movies are going down. Now, don't get me wrong. This Transformers movie is going to make a lot of money. It is. But I think we're going to see that the trajectory for the public's interest in Michael Bay's Transformers is going down. He's got other films he wants to do. He's not getting any younger. So I do believe him. Plus, I, I think Paramount is going to be with the thrashing this movie is getting from both critics and audiences. I think, you know, Paramount's probably going to want to move on from him, even if Michael Bay didn't want to be finished with it. So, yes, I do believe that this one will be his last Transformers movie. All right, we move on to the next question, which comes to us from Tristan Durant, who writes, Do you think there will be a Gone Girl sequel? If so, do you believe that Fincher will return? Really good question. Man, I got to tell you, I loved Gone Girl. Man, I loved Gone Girl so much. That movie was so cool, so well acted, so well directed, so well written. It's one of those films that just kind of haunts you too when you walk out. I remember that end scene. I'm not going to spoil anything here for those of you who haven't seen it. But if you have not seen it, why have you not seen Gone Girl? I remember when I saw it and that ending was just haunting. Just haunting. Like, I remember it was me, Schnepp, and a bunch of other people. Our respective wives and girlfriends were there, too. And we all walked out kind of looking at our significant others very suspiciously. Like, it's just one of those really cool movies. Fincher did a great job. Rosamund Pike was amazing in it. Ben Affleck was amazing in it. Terrific film. And I remember when I first walked out of that movie thinking, I'd love to see part two. I'd love to see where these characters go from here. I would love that. But the more I thought about it, and you know, I, I think I might have even said on a couple of shows that I want them to do a sequel to Gone Girl. But listening to the fans, I think they may have changed my mind. Because some fans made some really good points and some really good arguments about how the basic spark of what this movie was and what was at the core of Gone Girl was now played out. It really was played out. Now, you could do a sequel and follow what happens next after these characters to these characters, but the crux of the film is gone. So really, you'd just be making another movie for the sake of making another movie. Now, I think you can make any movie and any sequel that you want. Some people use the term, we don't need a sequel to that. Well, my argument to that is you don't need any movie. No movie has needed to be made in history. Now, the question is, do people want another movie? But with Gone Girl, a lot of the fans who were talking to me made really great points that it's just, you know, the movie is played out. It's done. So I think we would have heard something by now had the studio reps believe there was something there to do. I think Fincher's moved on. I think Rosamund Pike's moved on. I think Ben Affleck has moved on. I So no, I do not think we are going to get a Gone Girl sequel. All right. The next question comes to us from Paul Bieren, who writes, if Han Solo film, if the Han Solo film is scrapped and started again from the beginning, how will the actors' schedules fit in if they have other films in the pipeline? Well, thanks a lot for the question. I know a lot of people are asking this. I do not believe that Han Solo is going back to the drawing board. Now, with all the reports that we're reading, remember, none of this has been confirmed by either Lord and Miller or by Lucasfilm. But from all the reports that have been coming out lately, the picture that is starting to be painted for us is that Lord and Miller 
were taking too much creative liberty with the film and that they were making Han Solo into a straight up comedy. And the first person, if you believe certain reports that are coming out now, and this was on Star Wars Newsnet, but what was being reported over there that the first person to actually raise concern about all of it was your new Han Solo, Alden Ehrenreich. Apparently he was the first person to raise some concerns to say, I don't think this movie is Han Solo. And I, again, I don't know if this is true or not. Neither Disney nor, nor Lord Miller have com- confirmed this. But out of all the reports coming out, this is the picture that is now being painted. That Lord Miller was just going too far. You know, I think Disney gave them a bit of a leash, gave them a little bit of room on their leash to, to you know, be individualistic and to make the Han Solo movie their movie. But, I mean, even then, you've got to have certain boundaries and certain restrictions. And apparently, Lord Miller, from what I'm reading right now, we're going way too far and just making it a straight up comedy. I think what, you know, Lucasfilm had probably agreed to was a funny Han Solo movie, but it still had to be a Han Solo movie. I think the script that Lawrence Kasdan wrote for Han Solo, and don't forget, this is the same guy who wrote Empire Strikes Back, probably the most beloved of all the Star Wars movies, was calling for a great space adventure with some comedy. And he really thought, Lawrence Kasdan thought Lord Miller were the guys to do it, but apparently Lord Miller were going too far and that they were improvising a lot of the scenes and making it like, just like again, instead of being a space uh, adventure with some good comedy, it was becoming a straight up satirical spoofy comedy. And Lucasfilm finally said enough. I guess they told Lord Miller, look, you got to change this or you got to get this movie back on track or you got to go. And they dug in their heels, which, hey, they, they, that's their right to do as well. I love Lord Miller. I'm a huge Lord Miller fans will love anything they put together. But it does sound like Lucasfilm probably had a point at any rate. So, of course, they fired Lord Miller and now Ron Howard is on board. I do not think what their plan is, is to like go back and just start from scratch. I don't think they're going to do that. What they do have, and a lot of people forget this, they still have three weeks left of filming. And then on top of that, a month later, well in advance, they plan five weeks of reshoots. This They planned this even before they started shooting the movie. They had the principal production done, scheduled, and then they had a like a month break or two-month break, and then five weeks of reshoots scheduled. I think they will make use of the remaining three weeks and then of those five weeks of reshoots, because I doubt everything that Lord Miller did has to be scrapped. I think probably just needs to be fine-tuned. And they just need to take out certain things that Lord Miller put in, replace it with a few other things, and just slightly swing the balance of it from being a comedy to being a space adventure with some comedy. And I think that's probably something they could do. Ron Howard is one of the most experienced, successful visionary directors in the world. So I don't think he's going to have a terribly hard time to do that. But I don't think Disney or Lucasfilm wants to spend the money for a complete 100% reshoot. I don't think anybody wants to spend that kind of money. So what I think is going to happen, and again, this is just me theorizing. I think they're going to, Ron Howard is going to use these final three weeks to shoot it the way he wants to shoot it. And then he's going to, during that month or two month break before reshoots start, he's going to really sit down and put a cut together of the film. He's going to put an edit of the film together, decide what he needs to use those final five weeks of reshoots for to improve the film, to make it the type of film that both he and Lucasfilm want it to be. And then they'll do the best they can with the five weeks. Now, remember, this is not unprecedented. Um, it is rare. It's super rare. But, you know, World War Z was a total mess, went back for complete reshoots and ended up being a pretty damn good movie. I think in the hands of Ron Howard, this one can be as well. 
All right. And the next question comes to us from Justin Square, who writes, Thoughts on this past season of Supernatural, the series as a whole, and the possible 300th episode if the show makes it into season 14. Yeah. Well, Supernatural has consistently been like one of my favorite shows on TV. You know what? It's all about the characters. I am really invested in Sam and Dean Winchester and Castiel and Crowley and all the, I I just, I love the writing of the show. It's the dialogue of the show that really gets me into it. I've, I've, so I've been a fan of Supernatural now for about six or seven years. I've been a big fan of this show and I've just been enjoying it every single season. I really like season 13. It wasn't their best season. Not by any stretch. They did some really interesting things at the end of the season. And for any of you who watch Supernatural and maybe haven't caught up on it or whatever, I won't spoil what happens in the season finale. But they did some pretty ballsy things in the season finale of season 13. I cannot believe they've made it this far. And they're going into season four. I believe they've signed... I can't remember if they've signed a deal for two more seasons or one more, but there's at least one more season coming. And I won't be surprised at all if it makes it into season 15. So I'm a big fan of Supernatural. I think if uh, you haven't checked it out yet, yes, it's a CW show. But I would say give it a shot. Start watch- You can even probably start watching it from season two. But to get the full experience, watch it from season one and uh, just strap up and enjoy. Okay, and the next question comes to us from Connor O'Leary who writes... Are audiences sick of shared universes being forced on them by studios? Okay, I got to say this. I have never understood anybody ever saying the studio is forcing this on us. The studio can't force anything on you. You choose if you want to go see a movie or not. Studios aren't forcing anything on you. Studios evaluate what they think the audience is. What what are the trends? What are the audiences getting behind and supporting? And right now they're seeing that the audiences are getting behind and supporting shared universe movies. So they're making them. Don't say that the studios are forcing it on us. They're, studios can't force anything on you, man. You choose to walk to the movie theater, pull out your wallet, give them your money to buy the tickets and walk into the theater. Ain't nobody put a gun to your head or my head or any of our heads. So I've never really understood that terminology. I mean, sometimes studios try to force like ideas on us. It's like for the longest time, it felt like Will Smith and whatever studios he was working with just trying to force Jaden Smith on us. Like you will like Jaden Smith and stuff like this. And hey, look, even I'll admit, I like Jaden Smith and Karate Kid. I did. I thought it was pretty good. But sometimes, yeah, it can feel that way. But with the shared universe stuff, I think that is not studios pushing it on us. I think that's the the studios just responding to what they see, the trends of what the audiences are supporting. And the movie business is a business. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to look at the trends. What are the audiences spending their money on? Then that's what we're going to give them. And then they go out and do that. And then every once in a while, they put out terrific, unique, original films like The Nice Guys, like Baby Driver, like stuff like that. And then unfortunately, a lot of the times these great, unique, original films come out and nobody supports them. But then the franchise films comes out and everybody goes out and gets in line and buys a ticket. So if you're asking, are the audiences getting sick of it? Are are the audiences getting sick of this kind of stuff? No. I mean, just look at the most recent one that just came. Well, I mean, The Mummy, which a lot of people consider a flop. Well, a flop is $300 million. The Mummy made 300 and still going. It's still in theaters, but The Mummy's made $300 million. But then before that, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is, is closing in on $600 million worldwide. 
Look at what Logan did. Look at what Deadpool did. Look at what Captain America Civil War did. I mean, I I don't think there's any evidence there to suggest that the audiences are getting sick of these things. I mean, will they eventually? Everything in Hollywood and in art and in pop culture moves in cycles. So, yes, at some point, everybody will. But I, I just personally don't see it happening yet. Well, okay, guys, that'll do it for me for this uh, Saturday installment of the John Campia podcast. Once again, thank you so much for supporting the show. And do me a favor, uh, make sure you subscribe to the John Campia podcast. Just open up your favorite podcasting app, subscribe, even if you watch this show on YouTube or listen to this show while on YouTube. That's cool, too. And if you listen to this podcast, come on over and subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's at youtube.com slash John Campia. It's the easiest thing in the world to find. Come on over, subscribe, start sharing these videos and podcasts and everything around with your friends. And uh, yeah, thanks again for your support. I'll be back again on Monday. And until next time, bye-bye. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.